40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks again for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Uh, David in Ontario, California, writing in, says, Hello, Cam, Miss E, and family. I've been listening to Cam and Company this week. It's weird to hear you calling in. Yeah, I know. It is weird to call into my own show, but there's been... There's been so much going on in the world, frankly, uh, that I just I haven't wanted to take uh, time off. You know, my intention actually was to not. I didn't take a summer vacation. Uh, I wanted to keep working through the election. I figured I'd have time to uh, you know take a few days for for vacation after the election was over. But I just wanted to, in the uh, words of Hillary Clinton, power through uh, through election day. And I I'm really glad actually that I've been able to call in. Uh, to Cam and Company most days. I think four out of five days that I've uh, taken off, I've been able to actually join the show the day that Missy e came home from the hospital. Uh, I did not. Uh, it was not about to tell Missy, e, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I'll be right back. I'm just going to call into the program that I'm taking off today. I, I figured she's been really understanding. That probably would have been a, a bridge too far. David says, uh, Missy, e, don't push yourself too hard. Before you know it, you'll be back to your normal self. You're right, David. You are you are right, and she is not pushing herself too hard. She is listening to her body. She is um, she's pushing herself, but she's also uh, recognizing when she has to stop pushing herself. Uh, Jason writing in as well with uh, his best wishes. Rob uh, wondering how I am holding up. He says, I know Miss E is home now. What about you? What's going on with you? Are you okay? <laughs> I am. Uh, I am. I'm, I'm okay, Rob. I, I appreciate that. Um, I was actually able to uh, to get together with a friend last night and just sort of uh, vent everything and uh, get it out. But uh, yeah, I'm doing okay, and you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna get through this uh, as a family. We're gonna get through this uh, as a as a broader community here. Uh, you know, if 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 you are uh, concerned about Missy, um, I'm here to tell you we will get through it, and we'll get through it together. And it is probably got to be full of some surprising twists and turns along the way but uh but we'll deal with it and we'll deal with those challenges as they come uh but thank you rob for for thinking about uh, uh me as well as missy e. also what uh, tiffany riding in with uh, her best wishes she says i hope missy e is recovering well and is comfortable uh she is actually she's surprisingly comfortable tiffany that uh was really uh, again watching her in the hospital um, in pain and with, you know, she comes out of surgery and there's just so many tubes hooked up to her and EKG leads and she looked, I mean, she looked like a cyborg. Um, and every day a, a, a tube would disappear, the oxygen came off, uh, her chest tube, one of her chest tubes came out, the second one came out, the uh, uh, IV got removed and she started to look more and more like herself. But she was still in a lot of pain. She still wasn't sleeping well. And the day before she came home, actually, I was a little concerned. I was like, okay, they're going to get ready to, to release her. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that she's ready. And I'm not sure that I'm, I'm ready to, to handle this. Like she's getting constant care from, from nurses. And then all of a sudden I gotta, I gotta be the one. I'm not sure that I'm ready for this. Since she has been home, I think just being in this environment, 
has helped out uh, an enormous amount. So she is, uh, as I said, she's sleeping. Um, last night, I think she slept for probably a good five or six hours uh, at one stretch and napping during the day and just taking it easy. And uh, and she, she is comfortable. She's not in as nearly as much pain as I thought she was going to be. And so I should actually mention this because there are... If, God forbid, you ever find yourself in a similar situation, um, there are two types of surgeries that can be performed when you have to have a lobectomy. There is the more traditional crack your chest open, um, go in through the, the chest wall, the chest cavity. And then there's a procedure called VATS, uh, which is video-assisted thoracic surgery. Uh, that is a um, much smaller incision. It's made on the side. There is apparently a much shorter recovery time. Um, you can start driving again after a couple of weeks. So when we went in, we were told, you know, the recovery time is going to be six weeks or so, uh, six to eight weeks, get ready. Missy um, ended up having the VATS procedure done. And again, it's been a week, as, as I'm recording this, it's been a week, actually a little bit less than a week, just in terms of the hours uh, since she has had her surgery. And I would have thought she was probably three weeks into her recovery by now. Uh, that's how quickly her recovery has gone. So, again, I hope none of you ever find yourself in a similar situation. Um, but if you do find yourself uh, in a similar situation, make sure that you ask your surgeon uh, if VATS is a an option uh, for your surgery because it, it looks like the, the uh, pain is considerably less. The recovery time uh, is also considerably less. It, it looks like it is just a better option all around when it can be performed. And there are obviously sometimes limitations that would uh, preclude VATS from being done. But Again, if you ever find yourself in this uh, in this situation, uh, ask and see if that is an option. Um, so again, thank you for all of the emails. I know that uh, Missy has been also getting a, a ton of comments on uh, the Instagram account uh, at Corny Goat Farm. As I said, I uh, have been trying to do some reading just to stay up with the world and to kind of distract myself a little bit this week. So I, I found a couple of things, you know, I'm still not back on uh, social media right now. And every, every time I think to myself, okay, you know what? I, I really have to get back on social media. Um, actually, I guess I'm still on Instagram. So by social media, I guess I mean Facebook and Twitter. Every time I think, all right, I'm going to get back on. Something happens, or I see a story, and I think, you know, I f why am I going back? Am I going back for the right reasons? Am I going back because I want to go back? Am I going back because I, I, I think that I can make a positive contribution to those communities? Or am I going back because I think that, ah, crap, you know, I've got a show on NRA News. Um, I've got a show on SiriusXM. I've got this podcast. I'm a brand. I'm a personality. I need to be promoting my brand. And I keep going back to number two. I keep thinking that I'm the reason why I'm going back to social media is because I'm a brand and I got to promote my brand. And you know what? Forget that. Almost said something else. Forget that. That's not why I want to do it. So if and when I go back to social media, I want to make sure it's for the right reasons. Um, Andrew Sullivan, who is a blogger and has said 
like pretty much every blogger out there, I suppose, um, awful things uh, about, uh, particularly about uh, the Palin family. Um, he was uh, he was the one who moved like next door to Sarah Palin, I think, uh, to to do some writing. Um, not one of my favorite writers, but he he has a piece at uh, New York Magazine, which is ironically enough not one of my favorite magazines. Uh, I used to be a human being. So Andrew Sullivan quit blogging. Uh, I think it was last year. He said for a decade and a half, he had been a web obsessive, publishing blog posts multiple times a day, seven days a week, ultimately corralling a team that curated the web every 20 minutes during peak hours. Every morning, he says, began with a full immersion in the stream of Internet consciousness and news, jumping from site to site, tweet to tweet, breaking news story to oddest take, scanning countless images and videos, catching up with multiple memes. Throughout the day, he says, I'd cough up an insider, an argument or a joke about what had just occurred or what was happening right now. At times, he says, as events took over, I'd spend weeks manically grabbing every tiny scratch of a developing story in order to fuse them into a narrative in real time. He says, I was in an unending dialogue with readers who were uh, caviling, praising, booing, correcting. My brain had never been so occupied so insistently by so many different subjects and in so public a way for so long. And this is, I I suspect... how many of us actually consume our media? Uh, you know, Andrew was a creator, and, and I suppose is a creator of content, uh, as well as a consumer of content. But you know, again, that can be said about more and more of us uh, these days as well. So I think that what Andrew described is is not that uncommon for those of us who um, who work online, who spend our time online, who are news junkies. Uh, that certainly rang true to me. I, I you know, I have uh, much the same process every day when I. I am uh, doing research and, you know, getting ready for uh, for Cam and Company each and every day. I mean, it's a constant rotation of uh, news sites and tweets and social media posts and, you know, law review articles and uh, court opinions. But there's always something. I'm always engaged with something. And uh, eventually, Andrew Sullivan got burnt out and uh, he, he quit blogging. Uh, he ended up going to, I thought this was interesting. So he ended up going to a, a basically a meditation center, uh, where he was silent, um, for, I think it was like a week and a half. Uh, he said, um, he said, I decided after 15 years to live in reality. Uh, and he said, he, he said, I realized that I had been engaging like most addicts in a form of denial, I had long treated my online life as a supplement to my real life, an add-on, as it were. Yes, he says, I spent many hours communicating with others as a disembodied voice, but my real life and my body were still here. And then I began to realize, as my health and my happiness deteriorated, that this was not a both-in-kind of situation. It was either or. Every hour I spent online was not spent in the physical world. Every minute I was engrossed in a virtual interaction, I was not involved in a human encounter. Every second absorbed in some trivia was a second less for any form of reflection or calm or spirituality. Multitasking was a mirage, he says. This was a zero-sum question. I either lived as a voice online or I lived as a human being in the world that humans had lived in since the beginning of time. And so, he says, after 15 years, he decided to live in reality. Now, I understand what Andrew Sullivan is saying. On the other hand, I married a woman who I met online. I fell in love with her before I ever met her in person. I was in love with her by the first time I saw her face. It wasn't even love at first sight. It was love at pre-sight. I have developed really close and genuine friendships 
uh, online with people who, in some cases, uh, I've actually had the pleasure of meeting in person. In other cases, I have yet to meet them in person. Uh, Rob in Southern California, who has been uh, watching Cam and Company for, I think, since the beginning, for over a decade now. I don't know how many emails Rob and I have exchanged. I consider Rob to be a friend. Uh, I know uh, more about Rob's life and Rob's background now than I, I did you know, even five or six years ago, Rob knows more about mine. Um, but Rob and I have never met. I hope that we do one day, but that doesn't make uh, our friendship any less genuine. So I, I disagree with the idea that all uh, interactions and all communications and all relationships online uh, are, are um, a digression from and are something less than a human encounter. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's easy for us to think that somehow when we're online, the rules don't apply, that these aren't actually human interactions. But that's the thing. When Andrew Sullivan, every troll that Andrew Sullivan was interacting with, every time Andrew Sullivan had tried to, uh, decided that he was going to troll somebody else, he was interacting with real human beings. He was having those human connections and those human interactions. It was just through a digital medium, right? So I, 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 I'm... I'm I'm not quite sold on that idea that, uh, well, it's the, uh, what Malcolm uh, McLaren, Marshall McLuhan, there you go, Marshall McLuhan said, the medium is the message. Well, if the medium is the message and the, the, the medium that we're talking about is social media, uh, the message that Andrew Sullivan seems to uh, think the, the media puts out is that um, we can't be human to one another. I, and I don't think that's quite it. Um, the medium of social media, the, the, the messages will almost inevitably be uh, rather simplistic, right? Because you have to edit and condense your thoughts down to 140 characters on Twitter or maybe a paragraph or two on Facebook. Uh, they have to be snarky. They have to be uh, – you need to try to be witty. Um there, there are. I, I won't disagree that there are a lot of uh, surface uh, and simplistic uh, messages, but I, I think you can also get beyond that to the real people who are communicating with you. It's just that in so many cases, a we don't want to uh, get to the the human being behind the, uh, the 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 tweets, particularly when we're dealing with trolls and. Two, you have to be cognizant of that. You have to be aware of that, that, oh, yeah, you know what? This is a different medium from writing an email or from watching TV or watching a movie or reading a book or a newspaper. It's a different medium. But I'm still dealing with and interacting with flesh and blood human beings. And unless you have that thought and unless you um, make that maybe sort of a, a conscious part of your interaction then it's easy to uh, just be one of the bleepers of the internet. I'll, again, I'll try to keep it family friendly. Uh, so that's actually one of the things that I've been thinking about as I as I ponder my return to social media. Uh, this piece by Andrew Sullivan. Uh, again, uh, it, it, I just read a little bit uh, of it, but it's it's worth reading the whole thing, even if you don't particularly care for Andrew Sullivan. I thought this may have been the best thing that he wrote. I don't agree, again, with all of his uh, assumptions and assertions, but uh, I used to be a human being at New York Magazine. Well worth a read. All right. 
When we come back here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, we've got some other things that have piqued my interest and uh, more of your thoughts as well. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. 